Welcome to the Deep Printer Movies podcast. My name is Stephen T. Hanley. I'm the founder and lead creator of Deep Printer Movies. We're a pop-up cinema based in London and New York. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by actor and filmmaker Harris Dickinson. Harris is one of the best actors coming up at the moment. I'm telling you, it's him and Chris Abbott. Facts. These guys are killing it. Harris has already had a great career. Beach Rats, Eliza Hitman's movie, County Lines, one of the best British debuts in recent years. I always recommend that. Souvenir Part 2, fantastic. The Kingsman, one of the coolest action sequences in that movie. The scene over the trenches, I won't spoil it. Anyway, Harris is here to talk about his new Palm d'Or winning movie, Triangle of Sadness, in which he plays a male model. Him and his girlfriend go on a luxury cruise and things just get so weird and so fucked up. I don't want to say anymore. It's always better when you go watch movies when you don't know too much about it. But if you've seen The Square, you kind of know what kind of thing to expect. This pod was recorded at the Curzon Film offices in London. Harris and I are friends. We know each other a little. So this pod is kind of freewheeling. We're talking about our favorite movies growing up, how we got into our respective careers. And then I think 10 minutes toward the end, you might hear jake from curzon telling us to wrap up and that's when i kind of realized we haven't really spoke much about harris's film career or the new movie but i'm cool with that these are my favorite type of podcasts where it's just and not just my podcast but any pods i listen to where it's just two people having a conversation about movies and about their life so I hope you dig those too. Here is me and Harris Dickinson. I saw Top Gun. Love Top Gun. Top Gun was fun. Yeah. Top Gun was really fun. Top Gun had that balance of... It was old school still. Yeah, we're, going, we're old school. We're giving you the hits. Yeah. We're giving you the set pieces. We're giving you these slow close-ups. Yeah. We're giving you these stereotypical setups. But, but I'm here works. for it. But it works. Yeah. You just... Yeah. Yeah. And not even like... A, Ah, this is so retro. It was just not generally good. Yeah. Just generally kind of I didn't see the other cinema. ones. The first one doesn't make sense. No one understands the first one. Huh. As to, they're very unspecific as to who they're fighting mm. or fighting against. So they've kind of like, it's low-key meant to be Russia. Everyone thinks it's Russia, but they can't say the R word. So they it's just always fight, Russia. They're, so they're just always fighting against these unknown Thanks, but I think this one really tidied up the story. Yeah. You kind of got, they're trying to do this crazy mission. Yeah. And Val Kilmer got me really emotional. Yeah, man. 
Yeah. That was real. That was tough. They, they did that really well. No, yeah. So let's go to the beginning. What were you into as a teenager? What kind of... Man, as a teenager, I, I, I was really... I feel like the, the strongest um, like genre or the strongest memory was like zombie films. I, really? I, yeah, I was... I used to love zombie flicks, man. Like Horde, Day, you know, uh, Twenty Eight Days Later, and and you know, Night of the Living Dead. And I used to get a bit obsessed with like, um, with like the apocalypse plan that like they laid out in you know the Zombieland movies with yeah Woody and Jesse Eisenberg and that. I used to, I don't know, man. I I kind of romanticized that a little bit. I loved that. I loved the idea of having to like. Um, We'll have like a go bag and yeah. then escape. <laughs> yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing. But I don't know. I liked the uh, the sort of um, uh, kinetic like fear of those kind of films. Uh, and then I was also like making these. I used to make these really. I used to make these like sketch shows, and then I was also making these like quite dramatic, heavy short films at at like fourteen, fifteen. So. Um, that that were like about quite uh, <laughs> like for for a fourteen year old they were quite heavy. Do you know what I mean? They were like the, in terms of the themes of the films and the the, the drama inside them. They were quite um, heavy duty. And my mum and dad sort of realised that I might be into that, so they like put me onto you know a lot of Ken Loach and Mike Lee and Shane Meadows and. Um, you know, Midnight Cowboy and stuff. And I feel like I kind of only really discovered like art house cinema when I was like 17 or when I started studying at a college, you know. But for the for the most part, it was like, you know, tempo sort of, you know, multiplex cinema movies, you know. I remember the first Batman. I remember like changing my name on the... Really, I did that too. I had to pretend to I was twelve. That? Yeah, yeah, I had to yeah. pretend I was twelve. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna do the baseball cap low down. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I took one of my brother's books to be like, and I really basically dashed this arduous 700 page book on the counter, like, <laughs> like this is where I'm flexing. A little prop, a little. <laughs> and then, oh, you and went I, deep. And then I was like, two tickets for the Batman, please. And then. Actually, no, it was, it was just Batman at the time. Yeah, I was like, tickets for Batman. And they're like, yeah, sure. Like, this guy didn't give a shit. He's just working on the Saturday matinee. Wait, so that was which Batman? Was that, that was Batman. That was before. Tim Burton. Right, right, right. See, I was. That was the 12th. Chris Nolan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, that first one was like 2008, I think. And so I would have been like maybe 2007 or. Um, but yeah, sneaking into those, changing. We used to, Oh, is it illegal to say that? No, no, at all. Enough time has passed. We used to photocopy our passports and then Photoshop the, or like do it on paint and we'd just put the, the different age and then we'd all just get in. Um, they were sick. I, 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 like, I liked that. I liked, uh, I liked those movies a lot. Um, but yeah, yeah, man, there was like an Odeon. And then I also had older brothers, so... Weird films were on like Donnie Darko and um, Wicker Man. Wicker Man always stayed with me. That messed me up a bit. 
Yeah, that's the original. There's like one of the most haunting endings. Yeah, where it's kind of cool when you first see a film that you're like, "Wow, films can be like that, or just yes. end like that." Yes, with just a total fucking bummer or a weird yes. ass ending that stays with you. It's not like the boy gets the girl, or right? The the world is saved. It's like no, we just set someone on fire. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, we can. There's films like this, you know. You yeah, can like actually, you know, change the plot like that, or yeah. like end a film like that. Yeah. Do you remember what that was for you? Do you remember like the... It was, I think, the first time I can remember was when, obviously, soft boy teenager, and I was reading Catcher in the Rye. Mm. And then I read his other book of short stories. And there was one where it was like, and he ended the book with this one where no the first story was where a guy is on the beach he comes in to the elevator he's got sand on his feet and the people in the elevator just kind of have their head down and he says are you looking at my feet i assure you these are perfectly normal sized feet i don't know what you're looking at me for there's nothing normal not there's nothing weird about this and he goes to his room and just shoots himself Mm. And that was the end of the first story. And I was like, fuck, you can write that? That's a, that, that's a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was called The Perfect Day for Banana Fish. And I was like, I don't get the, I don't get why this is the title. I have no idea what's the thing about the feet or why he killed himself. And I, so then that's I was brutal. like, horrible, really that's dark. Brutal. How old were you? 15, 14, 15. Okay. And then I started writing short stories and kind of, uh, yeah, I just realized that a story can be anything. Yeah. But for film, I can't remember what was the first really, probably like watching like Mike Lee or Ken Loach or mm. something. Mm. And Raining Stones was really What's heavy. My, the Ken Loach from Raining Stones. I've not seen that. There's, there's one scene where a bailiff or, a, or like a scummy debt collector comes in yeah. and just terrorizes her and like makes her, he's like, I'm going to cut off your hand if you don't give me your wedding ring yeah. to kind of take a bit of his debt and i was like fuck that's that's brutal that's right and it, and it looked like a kind of estate name it, it was all very relatable kind of people who work in class faces riff raff was like the brutality of like those injuries on the, the site and that, yeah the, and it was like fuck like um but you've had uh you've had mike lee on this yes yeah i feel like he's gotten so much airtime on this but in, in the best way there's a few jonathan glazer yeah mike lee always come up over yeah. and over. There's yeah. kind of those recurring, I like it, there's those recurring directors or films that seems to have just really stayed with people who I speak to. I just feel like Mike Lee is one of those filmmakers that occupies a space that is far beyond just like social realism. Like, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I rewatched High Hopes the other day and it's just like, some of those scenes are so funny and so silly, but always manages to like retreat back to something severe and grounded. Um, yeah, man, the goat. He really is. And his yeah. approach is insane. His approach, he, he won't even, I, I kind of, after doing my research, I was like, don't even try and dig into his approach or yeah. his method. I know he said that, he asked David Fulis, tell me every 
man you've ever met in your life. Yes. And he went through them all and he landed on one and said, that's the guy. And David Fierce was like, oh, shit. We're going to have to go to some really dark places. Yeah. And I think there was only one other person who they went on a longer, she had a longer list. Yeah. I think it was for Vera Drake. She had a longer list. And yeah, I said, yeah. that's the person. But yeah, it's like a deeply personal journey for your entire life. Yeah. Just unpacking all your memories and all your experiences and then drawing that out and then going through a long workshop. It's wild. I had a friend who worked on one of his films but then didn't make it into the edit, which, I mean, even just doing some rehearsals is, like, enough, I feel. He's good enough. But, yeah, he went through the whole, like, locked in a room, uh, discovered a character... And then didn't you know, didn't make it into the film, but yeah, man, yeah. Was he nice? Super nice, yeah. really warm, yeah. really funny, really sarcastic and deadpan. Mm. And he'll kind of, yeah, he'll kind of be mean with you, but be mm. smiling like he knows he's fucking with you. He mm. likes just being kind of um, deadpan. Mm. Like I've I, seen him a lot at screenings. He's always at screenings. Like, he's always at BFI. He's always at BFI. Always he's like too scared to, yeah. Always too scared to approach him, but now I'm friends with Leo, his son, so I can I could I, I could approach him now and say now you're in the crew. Yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy school? Not particularly, no. Uh right answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I didn't, man. I didn't. I'll be honest. I I I used to I used to just think about when the day was gonna end and when I would be able to go home and play Xbox and make some films and I don't know. I, it wasn't for me. I didn't ever find art was my main. I, I loved art and I loved drama, but um, yeah, the, the rest of it, I didn't, I didn't click with it. No, <laughs> in, English and drama were the only things I enjoyed. Really? Yeah. Completely. I just I, don't think it, it, it just didn't really work for me. Like the, the, the process so they went through, it wasn't, you know. I was in an old boys school as well. Really? Yeah, that... You didn't enjoy it? No, I was okay. I had a, I always think back to my origin story is probably when, when I was about 15, I started dating someone and it was just like a really toxic version of Inbetweeners where all my friends in school were just, I think they would, the real answer is they were jealous, Mm. but they just ghosted (laughs) me. They really just like, you're not part of the crew. Because you were seeing someone. Yeah. And they weren't. Yeah, that's the... Where was this person from, if you were an all-boys school? This was a guy I met at Reading Festival. Oh. Yeah, real wow. indie bar experience. Yeah, come on. Yeah, we, we... And then we were just going to the cinema and, like, doing, you know, PG dates and stuff, and they just hated it. And then they saw me on road with her one day, and that, that was it. That was it. I, they, they wouldn't really speak to me after that. You were kicked out. You were ostracized for, the, yeah. for having a girl. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And wow. it was, um, yeah. And that's ridiculous. It was crazy. And I think I was then on my own for like one or two years until I went to college. And then I met some other friends and they were like, I had two groups then. I had like the art house guys where we'd, watch weird movies, 70s movies and smoke weed and listen to like country music and stuff. And then I had a group of friends who just wanted, who just liked Wu-Tang Clan, the Scream movies 
and rap, and that was it. And we yeah. and for those two, yeah, I, I I just flicked between the two, both equally important. Was there like an older figure in your life that influenced your like your your view of film or your? Oh, I have a cool, I have a cool older brother. You do, yeah. yeah so yeah. best memories were when I'd say. What's the Goonies? And you're like, you've not seen the Goonies. Right, right. We're going to a video shop now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what's John Carpenter? He's like, you've not seen Assault and Precinct 13? Yeah, yeah. We're going to a video shop right now. Yeah, that's So I had stuff like that, and I had a really funny memory that he was really into grunge. Yeah. And then there was a group of, group of like, oh, yeah, he was into grunge, but he really liked Harry Connick Jr., the jazz pianist. Huh. And... I was a kid and I was naive and I said to, there was these cool older guys in sixth form with like the fucking the flannel, the Nine Inch Nails shirt. And I was like, hey, Nine Inch Nails, pretty little hate machine, huh? What about that record? And they're like, wow, you like Nine Inch Nails? And I'm like, yeah, do you like Sonic Youth? And they're like, yeah, like Nirvana? Yeah. How about Harry Connick Jr.'s When Harry Met Sally soundtrack? And they're like, get the fuck out of there. <laughs> and I was like, I assumed if you like Kurt Cobain, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you like smooth jazz. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. no, yeah, I had no context for, that was just a weird little side thing, little guilty pleasure <laughs> my brother liked. And so I, I knew from then to drop that one out anytime I was trying to impress older dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I remember that feeling of wanting to like impress my older brothers and my older brother's friends. Like they would come around and I just remember so hard being like, Oh man, like I want you to think I'm cool. Like I tried. I want to so be hard. more than just a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I want to be one of the boys. I want to be one of the boys. Like I want to be. I want to be a man with you guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember they came in one day and they had all been out, and I think they they must have been drunk or stoned and wandered into Hamleys, mm. and Hamleys suddenly launched this range where they had like replica-looking guns that were like electric water pistols. Mm-hmm. So they bought all these like guns and like my brother had like an Uzi that looked real and one of them had like a shotgun and one of them had an AK-47 and and they just came in with all these guns and were like, yeah, we were just like running through Soho, shooting each other with water pistols and one of us jumped in a black taxi and we're doing like a drive-by just shooting each other through different cars yeah. and I was like, I want to fucking kill myself. I'm so jealous <laughs> right now. This sounds so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then they were like, anyway, we're going to see Die Hard Part 2. I'll see you later. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, can't I come? Just yeah. want to be you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, nah, it's an 18. If you don't get in. I, but he was really sweet. Like, it's an 18. I've got to drive you home if you can't get in. Sure, sure. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. And I'm like, can I play with the guns? And they're like, no, we're bringing these with us. <laughs> Let me address this. You almost joined the Marines. I did. I did. I was in the Marine Cadets for four years, maybe. Um, uh, and I liked it. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I, you know, I got in shape from it. I was quite a little chubby kid. So it got, for me, I was like, right, I'm going to go and, you know, I'm going <laughs> to stiffen up a bit. You yeah. know? This, I'm, no more of this 
sort of tubby soft boy. Um, and so, but I enjoyed the sort of discipline of it and, and learned a lot. But um, there was a point where I kind of, I don't know, man, I was probably a little bit indoctrinated because they were super like, I mean, not to badmouth anyone at that unit, but they were like, you know, they were kind of setting you up to go and do that. It mm. was like the natural path if you, if you didn't know what you were going to do was to go and, you know, join and do your do your tests and stuff. And and I, I was pretty serious about it. I spoke to the, the sergeant there and then I spoke to my mum about it. And um, and then my local, my, my theatre coach who, you know, I was also like simultaneously doing my drama on the side. And I also used to do, they did a f first aid course within the Marine Cadets. And I used to go and be an act as the injured person. Amazing. So I would go to these like, you know, days where I would have like fake blood on my face and I would, man, I would invest, you know. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would be there all day laying on the floor with like blood on my face. And then I'd have these like older cadets who were trying to pass their medical tests um, come over to me and I would be like, you know, oh man, I'm fucked up. Like I'm in a day. Wow, you're going like, really born on the 4th of July. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and, and, and so even the, even the cadets knew that I was like, into it, you know, and I, I didn't cut my hair when they asked me to and things like that. But um, I considered it, I, I really considered it. And then someone told me that, uh, my, my, my theater coach told me that it was like, you know, there were other options basically. Yeah. And so I started to consider uh, acting or filmmaking as a, as a career, yeah. Did you do drama school? I didn't do drama school. I was, no, I didn't do drama school. I did, I did uh, college, I, I, I did one year of college. Um, and I was working jobs at the same time and I was working on sets as a runner and like third AC and shit. And then I got to my second year and I just, I was having a bad time with one of my teachers. My, my film teacher was also my English teacher. And man, he was, he was not kind. Right. He, was, he was not kind and I just, you know, I just decided to fuck it and, and leave and, and I couldn't I couldn't handle the confrontation with him anymore. You know, I couldn't handle that. So I, I left and I... Uh, what, was he pushing a certain method or a certain no, he used practice? To just, he or? used to kind of like humiliate me in class because he was also my English teacher. And I was at that point, I was making short films outside of college and I just... You know, I was never ostentatious. I was never cocky. I was always very like open to, I was so excited by the prospect of learning, officially yeah. learning at like an institution, but he just didn't like that I was sort of doing it on my own. He he was like, you need to just, you know, slow down and, and right. listen was to me. Was he like bitter or like? He was super bitter, man. Right. He was super bitter, you know, he, he. Like jaded. I think he was probably like some, you know, wanted to be in film in some capacity, ended up teaching 16 year olds and, and, and just felt like he was deeply unhappy. And, right. and maybe from, maybe it was because of my background or maybe it was because of my essays, but like he just used to humiliate me, man. Like he used to read out essays and stuff in class and, and it was never my strong point. And I remember, I remember thinking like, is it just me like thinking this or, Am I, you know, am I imagining this? And then people would start coming to me and say, like, damn, like, he really doesn't like you. Like, what, have you done anything to him? Or, like, it got to a point where people were 
it was very noticeable. Right. It was like extremely noticeable and it, it kind of spearheaded where I like used to like square up to him. I squared up to him one day and I, I knew that I was never going to come back into that class. And I said to my drama teacher, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm leaving. I went and told my mom, she was like, yep, I, I hear it because she, she understood that kind of what I'd been going through. So, um, yeah, man, I was just ready to get out of there. I was just like, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. And I just wanted to make money and like get on my path. And, you know, some auditions started coming in and I had a job working in the basement at Hollister and I was picking up litter on the weekends. I was just ready to like hustle, you know, I, I didn't care about, I, I was just ready to move on from that experience. Were it was you ready sad. to move on from acting as well or was that more? Uh, no, I was, I was very much like trying to get jobs as an actor at that point. I was like, I got an agent shortly after that. And then, yeah. Do you think that was your, did that guy inspire you to just win or did you not even? I mean, he taught, I guess he did inspire me. He inspired me to, yeah, to want to, to want to succeed and, and learn, mainly just learn, like mainly yeah. just to feel, never feel like inferior and whether yeah. that's like intellectually or socially just want to just want to be like on top of my shit and also he also just made me want to like never be like that to anyone else for sure do you know what i mean yeah. like when someone treats you like shit you kind of think fuck okay well i'm never gonna do that to someone yeah you know um, sometimes a good kick in the dick is good on your journey a good sometimes. kick in the dick is good yeah Only while I'm, a, I'm not i'm not you know no, it, it, it depends it, how you process it and how you move on from it, it. Absolutely, yeah. It depends if you if you've not got the if you've not got the chops to deal with that and come through it, then then it can be detrimental. But it's 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 messed with me for a while. It's given me a bit of a chip on my shoulder, and I'm I'm trying to like I'm trying to lose it, and I'm trying to feel less, you know, like I have to prove myself. But he definitely did something to me. But I'm kind of grateful for it because. Yeah, it's made me want to like work hard and and have my stuff figured out, you know. Yeah, I get a little bit too worked up when I get a rejection from something or really sorry, this person isn't available. I'm like, what the fuck? Why do you think that is? I I think it's an insecurity on the legitimacy of deeper into movies. I I mm. always feel like I'm because we do the DIY screenings and we've got a bit of a DIY element, I kind of always wonder, is it, um, is, am I, am I legit? Yeah. Am I the real yeah. deal? And so, and I, I don't think any, many people think that other than me, but when I get a, yeah, sorry, we haven't got time or. You take it personally. I take it hugely personally. But yeah. there's, there's one, um, um, press person who reps a ton of really cool people and it's always a no. No, really? no matter what is on the day. I wouldn't mind if it's like, hey, do you want to be on my little podcast? Fine. But when it's like, hey, this big broadsheet is interested or Vice is in it, it's like, no. It's like, you yeah. didn't even hear me out. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. And I always think like, damn. But I, I think that's people that don't have the understanding of what what you're doing then because obviously they've not, they're not in they, they, haven't, they, haven't, they haven't checked it out. They haven't checked it out. They haven't checked it out. Because if, they if they'd have done that. their research, they'd, they'd yeah. realise like what you've got going here, man. Um but there is an element of, yeah, just keep on. And it's a good drive. It's a good motivator. And then also sometimes I think 
this is definitely one to for my therapist to unpack, but it's like my drive shouldn't just be, I'll fucking show you. Yes, because that becomes egotistical. Then I become yeah. like Darth Vader evil and it's gonna eat me up inside. Yes, I think I, yes, I think yes. just the joy of You put it for yourself at one point. Absolutely. Yeah. And the joy of just having a life where you can show movies for a living. Do what you love. Is is you've already won. Sure. It's not kinda of like Take that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. In DPR. No, no, it's not. I mean, there's, it's nice to have a little bit of that. Now I love again. a fuck you, you know, sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's I love nice to have you. a little bit of that. Yeah. Especially when you've, you've, you know, you deserve it. And, and I can see you work super hard, man. So it's like, you have to enjoy it. And like, <laughs> I have to enjoy it. And I have to take, learn to take the days off as well. Oh, really? You're not yeah. good at taking days off? I'm horrible. I, I, I still got that working for yourself thing where, think it's gonna end everything's gonna fall apart and i'm gonna be back at hmv <laughs> but, and now i'm getting better i'm getting better but i think next year i'm definitely gonna allocate like wednesday saturday days off mm. i'm not checking the phone good even yeah. if it's a crazy big email or offer it can wait for you it can you, wait, yeah. it can yeah, wait yeah. for you hours to, yeah the business isn't gonna crumble overnight yeah yeah, yeah. but that takes practice mm. I first saw you in Beach Rats. Fantastic accent. I didn't know you weren't American. That was... Thanks, man. What a great movie. How was it working on that? Because you're almost playing... Two, when I rewatched it, you're almost playing two different people. It's really... I mean, in, in the different interactions we see him with or the different yeah, kind of people. Yeah, I, I, I rewatched it yesterday. And, and when you're with your friends, you've got... the. Big fuckboy energy, some real Larry Clark realness. And then when I, when I was watching you on the online scenes interacting, yeah, a lot. It, it was so great to watch. You're, you're such you're you're nervous, you're shy, your hands were over your face. Mm. And I, I was wondering, how did you? Was that even something you were conscious of? That you kind of? I don't know, man. I was I was kind of just stumbling my way through that job. I, you know, I'd done. I'd worked a fair bit before that, but not in a film. I'd done some theater, I'd done some TV, some adverts, and then that film came along and I, you know, I was just flown to New York. I'd never been to New York before. Um, the first two weeks I stayed at Eliza's parents' house, you know. Um, it was it was a low-budget film. I know that I was not the preferable option. I was like someone they had to fly over, put up, get a visa. It was, it was, you know, it was not easy for them. And, and, and for that, I'm like, you know, forever grateful that they trusted me with it. But I also felt like I, I, I knew this, I knew this, I knew this kind of area. I knew this kind of suburb, I've said this before in interviews, but like this sub suburban drifter or, or like, there's not much to do. So you just street rat and like, there's some insecurity and, you know, a lot of behavior often comes from that. So even though I had never been, I kind of got to this suburb in Brooklyn, Sheepshead Bay, Coney Island. And I was like, fuck, okay, I, I kind of see this. I kind of mm -hmm. see, and I met all the boys, a lot of the boys in the film were street cast, spent a lot of time with them, played basketball. And I was like, yeah, okay. I kind of like, I kind of understand this person. Um, and then the rest was just, you know, was just led by Eliza really. How were the street kids with you? The, they the were real great. New York guys. They were great, man. They were great. Like it was tough because they wouldn't, you know, 
I was very disciplined yeah. at that point. I was like learning my lines yeah. and like doing all my work and like trying to get early nights and they were they were great and they were disciplined, but they didn't have the same like level of care as I did. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were just like, oh, whatever, like we're here, like this is inevitable for us now, like we're cast. And for me, I was just like trying to prove this myself. This is something to, more, yeah. This is my, you know, this is really my my job right now. And I'm really trying to like make sure I'm doing an okay job. But it was nice. That that sort of like energy was was right for it. You know, they're, they're like their energy and their, uh, yeah. What were you watching to prepare? Did she give you any films to watch? She didn't. No, no, she didn't give me anything to watch. Um, it was just, it was just a lot of conversations about about who he was, and but also not like we didn't have. There was a lot of gaps in in the knowledge that we wasn't. She didn't want to over discuss it, Eliza. You know, the director. She she didn't want to over discuss, and I was kind of fine not to as well. I was, I wasn't. I'm not the kind of actor that needs to like, you know overly analyze stuff. I'll just kind of feel it out and you can tell me if it's right or not. You know what I mean? And I'm also fine with being told, you know, that was a bit shit or <laughs> I don't, you know, don't do that. So I'd rather that. And I think uh, Eliza was kind of like that too. So it worked. And then I want to talk about County Lines, which I think is one of the best British movies in recent years. Yeah, man, you had Henry on here, right? Uh, I love Henry. He's yeah. so funny. He's so great. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a don. Um, yeah, that movie, man. I'm I'm so proud to be a part of that. I'm so like grateful that I got to to do that because that was a film that really, and I'm sure Henry spoke about this when he came on the pod. But like he, um, you know, he tried to get that made for so long. And yeah, there were so many people who didn't want to jump on it because of the subject matter and uh yeah man he just represented it in such a truthful way that it, it you know it's it, it's brave to do that because you know there's there's it's very easy to to or there's a tendency to, to take a subject like that and try and make it a bit a bit more cool a bit more bit, bit sexier yeah um that's not to say it wasn't like cool filmmaking it was extremely stylish and like beautiful but he didn't shy away from the brutality of it and I was just yeah man that was cool to be a part of um also like grew up seeing boys affected by that you know so felt like I kind of knew what that was as well um so yeah 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 and I think one of the things that really blew me away watching that was 20 minutes in, Conrad is just sent on a train mm. and he's thrown into this environment where he's where he's in the trap house. He's got a deal. And I'm like, what the fuck? Mm. Have I missed a few scenes? He completely just jumped to that. Mm. And then 50 minutes later, he's completely ruined and spat out. Yeah. And then it's like, well, that's it. Move on to the next one. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. Really brave filmmaking. Yeah. Just to um yeah, take that just be so honest with how dispensable everyone is. Yeah. The cyclical nature of it all. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I, love, I love that film. 
when we hung out, I was telling you I'm obsessed with a scene where you guys are having lunch. Yeah. And you, he's, he talks about In the, the chicken shop. Yeah. Yeah. And he talks about his not having his dad around. Yeah. And there's that moment where I think you're going to break. Hmm. And then you just snap back out of it and you say something like it's part of being a man. Hmm. Incredible scene. I've always been, that's when that's always stuck in my head. It's interesting because it is also that age where an older influence can be so powerful in, in, in the best way and in the worst way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When you're a young kid dying for, or you're confused and you're going through puberty or you're like, you know, you're trying to like figure out what it means to be a man in this world. Yeah. And you've got someone like Simon yeah. leading that, you know, it's very, you know, it's easy to see how that happens and how influence of the, the wrong influence of an older boy with, you know, a little bit of money can, uh, can really, really shift attitudes very quickly. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's mad. Yeah. I'm not sure if we were giving the wrap up sign. Do you know how much time we were given? We were given half an hour. Okay. Let's jump to triangle, which I watched yesterday. Did you? So good. Did you enjoy it? So much. The opening sequence, well, the modeling sequence with H&M versus Balenciaga, incredible. Yeah. But I just want to focus, without giving too much away, the dinner date sequence with paying the check. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. The way it spirals and how is it with that? The way he directs, it's really satirical it's great drama but it's also ridiculous and absurd mm -hmm. and the juggling act that you guys are like when the lift <laughs> keeps on closing yeah but you're completely serious you're like this has really fucking offended me yeah yeah but I'm there's really still upset. an element of that silliness slapstick and, and yeah, yeah. yeah how is it kind of it's almost like yoga slapmos in a way you're gonna get to get on his frequency mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i was wondering how is that as a actor yeah, I feel like I feel like Ruben's frequency is is very easily identifiable when you watch the films, but when we were doing it, it was tough because yeah. he wants truth. He wants you know, he wants these situations like investigated to the to the max, but then he also adds element of like you said absurdity and and silliness and comedy that that sort of take you away from it at times and then you come back and so it's just like, yeah, it, it's just trying to navigate that. But he, he's so good, man. Like he, he he's just like a master, truly. Like he, he does so many takes, like 30 takes, sometimes 35 takes. And he's so precise and he is so clear with what he wants and, and he allows for failure and he allows for exploration. And I just think like to have that on a, on a, on a set, it's... You know, it's impossible for it not to get to the point it's at, which, and even with his crew and everyone around that's making the film, it's like, you know, he inspires everyone to, to be doing their best work. He wants everyone to, like, reach the pinnacle of what they're doing. And I think that makes it, like, something different. You know, it goes it goes beyond, um, beyond the mundane and, and, and beyond the ordinary. But, uh, yeah, just finding that along the way with him. Yeah, <laughs> it is silly. And you have to be humiliated 
I was humiliated so much on that. Like I, I, I went home some days and just feeling like, fuck, like I felt quite, I felt properly silly and properly like mugged off, you know? Really? Like, Why? Well, not by the, not by Ruben or the process, yeah. but like some of the things that my character does are so just quite shameful. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And just quite like, I don't want to give the film away, but like, yeah, you just, you know, he, he, or for example, you'd say, oh man, like, I wouldn't do that. And yeah. you'd say, yeah, but your character might. And so yeah. he uses it when it works, when it works, because yeah. it's like, do, what was, do what's best for you and yeah. you do what's best for you. And then when it doesn't feel right, he says, okay, now push beyond that and yeah. go, go to somewhere unnatural. And you're like, oh, fuck, okay. Or you have to say something that would, you know, you might not say. And of course that's acting. But when it, when it gets into this very satirical territory, you start to think, Fuck, like this is quite close to the bone of yeah. real life and, and, and or any life, you know. Yeah. So. And we can't say too much. Your new A twenty four movie with Sean Durkin sounds so sick, man. Yes, he's one of the best out there. Yeah, he's sick. He's really cool. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his. I'm excited about this. Did you? I also used to uh, like. I was into WWE. Same. So, yeah, yeah. So. I uh, I just read the script and I I was into it, man. Have you watched the time. Dark Side of the Ring documentary on the brothers? No, yes, the Vice one. Yeah, 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 amazing. Yeah, yeah. There's so much material on them. There's yeah, I so think much it, material. On it them. can't not be a fascinating story, and yeah. he's such a unique director. Yeah, it's such a beautiful script, man. Like the the way the way he depicts it, the way he depicts that whole saga and the family story is is, uh, is really interesting. So it. It should be fun. And I got to, you know, I've been training with um, with uh, Chavo Guerrero, who's no part way. of the Guerrero family. And it's just like, man, this is cool. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. We've got to wrap up. Cool. Right. Yeah. That's been it. Okay. That's been it. Thanks for uh, having me. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're so great. I'm really happy for your continued success and great movie choices thanks man you're also great That was me and Harris Dickinson. Go see Triangle of Sadness. And if you haven't already, County Lines and Beach Rats are fantastic movies. Highly recommend those. During the pod, Harris asked me what was the first real bummer ending I saw that really fucked me up as a kid. And I couldn't remember it. And I've been thinking about this over and over. And... It's definitely American Werewolf in London. That end scene where David, the werewolf, is in this dead-end street and all the police have him surrounded with guns. And there's that amazing moment where Jenny Agatha runs through and she's talking to 
David the werewolf saying, David, it's me. And there's that moment where the werewolf's eyes soften and you almost see the human coming through. And then it just snaps and goes to attack her and everyone fires on him, shoots the werewolf to death. And then it pans up and it's David the human back in human form. And it's just a naked person lying dead on the street. And you get two seconds to grieve. And then, bam, he cuts to the doo-wop version of Blue Moon. And it's just, you know, that bomb bomb dang, dang, dang. And it's crazy. There's just two seconds to take in what a heartbreaking tragedy you've just seen. And then he hits you with like an upbeat rock and roll song. And that was it for me. That's one of my favorite films of all time. And that ending is just fucking haunting. So I'm glad I got that sorted. That's it from me. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our friends at Curzon for setting that interview up for us. And letting us use your offices. Thanks to my producer, Flynn Rodham. Telephone Tel Aviv for the beautiful music and you guys for listening. Deeper into movies. We'll speak soon.